Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 45 of Yogaland. On today's episode, I talk to artist and yogini Amanda Giacomini. Amanda lives in Point Reyes, California, which is an adorable little town north of San Francisco. And she and her husband, MC Yogi, have owned a yoga studio there called Yoga Toes for about 15 years. But today, we talk about Amanda's art. Amanda has a project, she's in the midst of a project, of painting 10,000 Buddhas around the world. It's the 10,000 Buddhas Project. If you haven't seen her work yet, you've got to follow her. You can go to 10,000buddhas.com, or you can follow her on Instagram at 10,000buddhas. Her work is really, really beautiful, and... It's now all around the world. I'm so happy to highlight this project because, as you know, I just have a goal of seeing yoga and wisdom-based cultures being a natural, normal part of our everyday life and culture. And I think there's no better way to do that than with public art. So we just had a great conversation. She talked about the origin of the project. She mentions caves in the beginning of the conversation and Due to editing, it got cut out that she's referring to the Ajanta Caves in India. So just keep that in mind. But we talk about the origin of the project and her creative process and what it took her to get to the point where she is right now and how far along she is with her 10,000 Buddhas. And before we get to the interview, I just want to mention that every week, almost every week, I ask you for iTunes reviews. It is the best way for you to support the podcast and the work that I'm doing is to either leave a review or to subscribe to the podcast through whichever app you're using or to share it on social media, share it with your friends. I've made it a little bit easier to figure out how to do that. I've created some pages on Jason's website. So if you go to jasonyoga.com and you click on podcast, you'll see a link to how to subscribe and another link how to leave a review and it'll walk you through it with easy steps. So... Thanks in advance for your support, and now on to the interview. So we're going to talk about your 10,000 Buddhas project, and you've now done Buddhas in various mediums. You've done murals, prints, prayer wheels, canvases. What is the story behind what prompted you to start the project? Well, first of all, I'm really happy to be speaking with you today. Oh, thanks. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very grateful. So the project really began after taking a pilgrimage to India in 2006. I had been studying with Sri K. Patabi Joyce down in Mysore with my husband, and we wanted to travel around India and see more of India. And I had heard about the caves. And as a painter, I wanted to go check them out. So the caves are in central India. They're, they're not that easy to access. And so Getting there was quite an adventure in itself. But when we got there, we saw one of the most extraordinary world history sites, you know, wonders of the world I've ever seen in my life. It was um, a series of 33 caves, and each one filled with masterful paintings and sculpture. And the caves were created about 2,000 years ago. So it's it was just incredible how well it had been preserved and the colors and the detail. And all of the paintings inside the caves were stories of the life of the Buddha and the past lives of the Buddha. Wow. 
it was just, it's remarkable. It was like being on a movie set. <laughs> it was hard to imagine that, you know, humans had created this, especially thinking back 2000 years ago, what they had access to. And I read in a book about the caves that, you know, the caves were very deep and dark and to get any light to do the painting, they would use, they would polish stones, like very rudimentary mirrors, and they would bounce light from outside the caves into the caves so that the artists could work. Wow. Just kind of amazing to think about. And so they were very colorful? They actually were. Beautiful, like rich earth tones, like a lapis blue and these malachite greens and a lot of beautiful, you know, sienna colors and rich browns as well. But the caves were very popular when they were created, there was a sort of boom in Buddhism in India. And then Buddhism kind of declined and Hinduism rose up and the caves went out of use for over a thousand years. So for a thousand years, the jungle overgrew the caves and nobody went there. And they were rediscovered in the 1900s by a British hunting group. I think his name was Captain John Smith or something really generic like that. But um, he found the caves And now it's a world heritage site that you can go visit. So have you, I was just thinking this the other day when I was looking at your work, Jason and I been to Japan a few times and there is a temple in Japan. And I wish I could remember which one. I think it's in Kyoto where there are just, the wall is just lined with Buddhas. I did go to Kyoto this summer and there's a temple with a thousand standing Buddhas. I think that's the one. Yes. They're wooden and they are magnificent. And they are magnificent. Yeah. Oh yeah. I did. I had the opportunity to go there this summer and a long time ago, I visited a friend in Japan and wanted to go to Kyoto and I didn't make it on that trip. And this summer we were just in Japan for three days And I asked our host, I said, if there's any way I could go to Kyoto, I just have a longing to be there. But I didn't know about this temple that you you were mentioning. And so the woman who took us out there, her grandfather had lived in Kyoto and had been an artist, like a revered artist. And we only had three or four hours in Kyoto. And she said, I'm going to take you to my favorite place here in Kyoto. And she took me straight there to that temple. and. Oh, I get shivers thinking about it. It was, it was extraordinary. There, these elegant standing Buddhas with radials coming out of their heads. Mm-hmm. And each one had forty arms, and they're really powerful. <laughs> yeah. I might be wrong, but I feel like I remember each one was slightly different as well, kind of like yours. And there, there might have even been a repeating pattern. Yeah, they're similar, but when you look closely, they're all hand-carved and they're all a little different. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you've seen that. Your work reminds me of that, which is just incredible when you think about it. That's the uh, most amazing compliment I've ever received. Thank you. (laughs) But you know that, that you hadn't seen that before you started this project and that that's what came out of you and that these, anyway, it's just amazing. Well, I found once I started this project that there is like a lot of artists. There's a a tradition of painting Buddhas in the thousands all over Asia. And there's some in China where they're hand painted on walls. And there are some places where they're not painted, but they're little figurines. So I didn't know that when I began the project, but 
there has been a long history of artists wanting to do these multiplications. Wow. So yeah, how did you land on 10,000? <laughs> and how did you go from, you know, seeing what you saw in the cave that day to doing the first work that you count in your 10,000? When I came home from that trip, I had seen in one of the caves a mural of a thousand little Buddhas sitting together meditating. And that image just stayed with me. It kind of planted a seed, I think, deep in my subconscious. And years would go by and I would keep reflecting on that image. And I had a longing to go back to the caves, but they're very far away and hard to get to. So I thought, well, I'm a painter. Maybe I'll just do my best to recreate what I saw so that I can have that experience again. So I started the first big painting and I think it was like an eight foot panel. And I started to paint the little Buddhas by hand. And that first painting took me almost a year and I would just come in and work on it and in between traveling. And I really enjoyed the process so much. Every time I would work on it, I felt just very calm and peaceful. It was very repetitive. I also didn't know that much about Buddhism when I started that painting. And so I used the opportunity of being in my studio painting Buddha to listen to a lot of books mm. and lectures on tape to educate myself. So I think it was a dual thing of meditating on the image of Buddha, but also listening to stories of the Buddha and, and lectures by Buddhist teachers. So I was getting both sides just kind of immersed in this peaceful energy every time I went to paint. When the painting was almost complete, I think I was feeling a bit sad. You know, you, if you ever read like a huge book mm -hmm. and really into it and you, you know you're coming to the end and you're like, oh, I don't want it to end. And I think I had that feeling with this painting. I was just so immersed in that, you know, field uh, with the Buddhas that it was like a almost like a communion. And so just before I finished, I thought, well, why not just keep going? Yeah. And then I just thought, well, maybe I'll just paint 10,000. I really had no idea the significance of the number. It just seemed like a good number. You have a studio with your husband in Point Reyes. Was that where you did the first wall? I remember reading that your process changed. That first painting that you did took you almost a year. You did it by hand. And then you realized if I'm going to recreate this, it's got to be kind of scalable. And you changed your process. Right. So I realized this is going to be a really fun project for me, but I'll never finish in this lifetime if I hand paint them all. Yeah. So I started to think about how I could speed up my process. And this took me a really long time to figure out. And I'm saying that because I think a lot of times people get an idea in their head, but it doesn't always unfold easily, like the path forward. And this is where I was stumped. I didn't know how to speed it up. I thought, should I make a stamp of them? You know, could I print them out and glue them on and then paint them in? I really wrestled with it for months, maybe even a year mm. before I realized that there was something called a laser cut stencil and I could draw, I could hand paint the Buddhas and then have a laser cut a stencil that would be identical to my hand so that it would keep that feeling of my brushstrokes. Wow. 
because I tried hand cutting a stencil and it was a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really hard to make the curves and, and get the detail. So I found out that there's this thing called a laser cut stencil and that's, oh, and even there was, uh, I found somebody locally who did it. And then a few months went by, didn't follow up. And then I called back. I was like, finally, I'm ready to do this. And I found out the man had passed away and he closed his shop. So then I was back to square one again to find another laser cut stencil because there are not that many at the time when I started this project. It took me a while to figure it out. Finally, I did find a company, I think they're out of Vermont, that does the stencils. And I hand-painted hundreds of them to get seven that I really, really liked in different mudras, different hand gestures. And then I had those seven made into stencils. Wow. That description of it taking you potentially a year to get the project figured out just is so interesting. It just reminds me of really any creative process. Like even with this podcast, like I thought about doing this podcast literally for five years before I did it. Once I told everyone I was going to do it, like once I started to say it publicly to people, it was, I had figured everything out in the background and it happened really quickly. And people were kind of like, wow, you did that so quickly. And it's like the creative process just takes as long as it takes. And I always, I actually find that my yoga process, my yoga practice has helped with that, Mm -hmm. has helped me be kind of patient with the process and like drop the thread of a thought and then pick it up later Or it can sometimes the yoga or meditation practice can just clear things away enough that an answer appears more easily in the process. Yeah. And there's a thing about consistency and sort of sticking to it that we get from our practice that I think when we're trying to do a creative project, you really have to have that endurance. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Because when I know what I know now, I think, oh, that's so easy. You know, if I were to start the project today, I'd be able to knock out a thousand Buddhas by next week. But the process of me figuring out all those details really was, you know, I didn't know anyone who had done anything like that, or I didn't have a method that I could follow or somebody who I could call to ask. Yeah. And everyone sees the end results and sees just, you know, my daughter loves your pink Buddhas so much. And my daughter loves your unicorn so much. Oh my gosh. And, you know, you see this beautiful result. You don't think about all of the work leading up to it, to that execution phase. Yeah, it it definitely was a a process. And even today, even I'm, you know, almost, I'm, you know, 9,000 in and I'm still figuring things out. Oh, wow. You're 9,000. That's huge. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Every wall. I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. You know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you just one more kind of technical question about the process. And then I want to talk about, you know, all the different places. And so you, you created the stencil. And then when I watched the videos, you're spray painting. So how do you create such with a stencil and with a spray paint, like they're so three-dimensional and they're so layered. Do you still have to do part of it by hand? How do you do it? I do. On the oil paintings that I do, I do all the backgrounds in oil paint and I just do the stenciling in the spray paint. And then I go back into it and fill them in and glaze over them and do all the layering with by hand. 
with like thin layers of paint to get that right yeah dimensionality but on like if you were doing like let's say the wall that you did in DC is that all spray paint it's not all spray oh wow you go back with oil paint there when I do exterior walls I use exterior paint okay it's not oil based but um latex based but yeah I go back and I fill them in by hand because I like having the brush strokes and how long Let's say, for example, that wall, because I know people can specifically look for that wall in your feed, did a wall in DC. How long did that take you? Three and a half days. Wow. (laughs) The public walls have been really interesting and brought like new feats of uh, what we, you know, we're talking about endurance because often with my travel schedule, I only have a certain amount of time. In DC, we only got a permit to shut down the alley for three days and the equipment that I needed to be on to get that high was very expensive. So we rented that for three or four days. You know, that cost like $2,000 just to rent that machine wow. for a few days. So I'm on a major time crunch to get it done. Not only that, it was 97 degrees in DC that week. Oh my <laughs> it was gosh. so hot. So I was work. I was starting work right as the sun came up. And working until dark. And even some nights I wore headlamps, even, you know, just so that I could keep working after dark. Did you have one assistant? Do you have someone assisting you? Yeah, yeah. I did have an assistant, my assistant June, who's been with me since the beginning of the project. She lives out in Point Reyes with me. And she's studied art in school and also studied Tibetan language and is a Buddhist practitioner. So she had an affinity for the project. So she's been amazing to have with me on a lot of these big walls. Yeah. How have you chosen the different sites or have they chosen you? All of them have been very serendipitous in terms of how they've come to be. Sometimes I'll get an invitation to come paint. Sometimes I just feel like painting a wall. Like I'm like, I want to do another wall and I'll just put out a request on social media and people will come back with various walls and various ideas And some of them come through and some of them don't. A lot of it depends on some walls are easy to access, accessible, you know, and some walls I need a lift and then I need space for the lift or permitting issues. The wall in D.C. took six months to get approval from the landlord and and from the city to do that. So that was a whole process in itself. You know, what kinds of feedback do you get? I mean, is there any feedback that's been kind of like pleasantly surprising? I mean, obviously you're going to get feedback from your community and the yoga community and people who know you, but has there been anything that's like, oh, wow, this really is public art and it's really, people really get it. Yeah. There was one of the most beautiful comments I got um, was after I painted the wall in DC and the owner of the building is from Ethiopia and he's Christian. And he was into this idea of the Buddhas. He liked the project, but he wanted it to be really inclusive. And so we made an extra effort. Like sometimes I paint the Buddhas in blues and pinks and we made these in sort of 
neutral colors. So we made a real effort to put all different skin tones on all the Buddhas on that wall. And then in between each Buddha, I did smaller stencils with symbols of the major religions. Oh, that's so nice. I even found an Ethiopian cross uh, and painted it right near where he walks by every day to go into his office so that to honor him because he allowed me to, to paint on that wall. So that wall in particular had a lot of special intention, I think, especially with the political climate that we've been in in America, wanting everybody to feel included, wanting it to be, you know, something that every every person of every color would look at and be like, oh, I see myself in that situation. <laughs> yeah, no, that is really, that's so lovely. And I, that's, that's great that his thought process around it, like helped yeah, inspire it was you to do it. Yeah, that's you know, really I'm neat. I'm not sure if I would have put the other religions in there, you know, if we hadn't made that comment about wanting everyone to feel included. But that wall in particular, when I was working on it, a woman came up to me in the street and just said, asked me about the project. And she just gave me this big model bear hug. She's like, my granddaughter is nine and she goes to a school and her classmates are from Syria and Africa and Asia. And I'm going to bring them all down here. And just like, she's like, this is what it's all about. You know, this is what she gets to experience because her school is so inclusive. And I just, she was just so happy. Yeah. That I had done that and really got it. And that was just an amazing feeling. I was going to ask you if the process is somewhat meditative in and of itself, but I imagine when you're on a time crunch, like cranking that out in three days might be different from working on an oil painting. Yeah, I would say it's like the difference, you know, since this is, we're in the yoga sphere here, when I'm painting smaller paintings and they're on my own schedule, it's like your daily yummy flow class, you know, that I'm just in the groove and very comfortable in my space and my home studio. And when I am doing those big productions outside in different cities, it's like going to India and doing second or third series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's highly focused work, but it's all, everything has to be firing. You know, all my awareness has to be really focused in order to get it done and to stay up on those lifts. And there's fear element being at a big height and the wind is moving your rig around and wow um, like a thunder lightning storm came through at one point so you just have to be extremely present the whole time and for a very long extended period of time so for me it was a meditative but in a fierce way totally different way yeah (laughs) pushing you pushing you to your edges yeah exactly but still this like repetitive, like one boot at a time. Like every time I had to raise the lift up and go another 10 feet higher, it was still just like one boot at a time. I had to have you ever worked through it. Worried that you lost count? I've often thought, cause I have a funny way of counting. Like if the image sometimes on walls, you don't get to put a full image up. They're cut off on the edges. And so my sort of general rule is that I don't count them unless they're more than halfway there. Mm-hmm. And so I often thought, well, gosh, if some art historian goes back and recounts all my work, they're probably going to get a slightly different number than me. And that's why it's art. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I went through and tried to figure out how many public 
works there are so people could go check them out. And I, so we've talked about DC, Sacramento. That one is um, outdoor mural, but it's at a private residence. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. No. <laughs> you have to hop the fence. And... Um, but also in California, there's the one in Point Reyes, right? Is that? I did one behind our yoga studio in Point Reyes. I also painted a barn in Point Reyes uh, when you're coming in from, from Petaluma. If you come into Point Reyes that way, you see this beautiful old gray barn that has a wall of Buddhas on oh, it. Oh, nice. Kind of welcome you to the town. Yeah, that's so perfect. You know, Jason and I got married up there. You did? Yes. Oh. I have such a, oh, such a fondness. It's, yeah, it's a, it it's a really special place. Yeah, yeah. And then Venice Beach? Yes, I did a wall on Abbott Kinney in Los Angeles. That wall has a funny story. I had actually painted two interior walls at Wonderless Hollywood. They had built their brand new studio, studio down there and invited me to come. And I did the second and third floor in the hallway. And when I was done, I again, June was with me and we cranked out the walls and we had an extra day. And I said, let's go shopping on Abbott Kinney, which is an arts district in LA and really cute boutiques. And so we're going shop by shop, just having fun, trying stuff on, eating and having ice cream. And when we got to the end of the block, there was a little sign outside the building said couture lingerie and I said, I would like to go check out that store and um I went in and I'm trying everything on this woman had designed this beautiful lingerie with um, vintage fabrics and had this whole cool system without underwires and oh nice and I'm in there with her and she's like fitting me for bras and we're having this discussion about why I'm in LA and what I do for a living and I told her about the project and within 20 minutes being in this store, she's like, well, why don't you paint my building? Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. Um, I thanked her and I was like, give me a moment to think about it. I Because I had just done three straight days. I was yeah. exhausted. You know, sometimes you're just I wear a mask and I wear gloves. But even still, sometimes the way I need to paint and hold the stencils on the wall, my face is really close to the can. And sometimes I feel like it's just intense, you know, fumes, intense fumes. Even yeah, the mask it just I practically feel like I'm spraying the can in my face sometimes. And so I was feeling a little like, whoa, I just did these two walls. I don't know if I have a third in me. And I walked down the street to take a moment to think about it. I went into a store that sells stones, like, like not crystals, but some crystals and some stones like labradorite and all those things. things. Yeah. 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 I did one of those weird things where you tell a perfect stranger what's going on in your life. (laughs) And I told her, I just unloaded on this shopkeeper. Like (laughs) you were tired. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm painting this project and, and I did these walls, but I'm so tired. This woman down the street invited me to do the wall. And she said, where do you live? I said, Northern California. She said, go to Northern California and rest. When you're here in LA, you work. She's like, go back up the street and tell her you're going to do it. This is an amazing opportunity. Oh my gosh. I love it. That is so funny. And so I went back and I said, I'll do it. I was out of paint. It was Sunday at like four o'clock. I had to drive all over LA to find more paint. I said, if you can get me a 20 foot ladder. Yeah, you're a morning, Oh my gosh. I'll do it. And I ended up doing it. It turns out that that little patch of wall on Abbott Kinney is the most photographed piece of art I've ever made. 
all kinds of actresses. I saw Susan Sarandon in front of it, right? Yeah, this one day I woke up and found out this Canadian actress had posed in front of it. And by the end of the day, it had 400,000 likes. Wow, that's amazing. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So Okay, that woman at the bead store? I almost (laughs) didn't do it, you know? the amazing thing and then I did it for trade for lingerie which is the other funny part of the story <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, smart got a couple nice sets of lingerie that couture lingerie can be pretty pricey no. <laughs> but that woman at the bead store was like your tough love angel she was and it, it's like one of those things where like everybody is your teacher you know yeah she knew she was not even like hesitant she's like you have to Leave here right now and go tell her that you're going to do it. I love it. Super clear. Way more clear than I was. Oh my gosh. That is such a good story. That's such good publicity. That's great. I mean, I didn't really realize that Abbey Kinney is like this. I mean, it's like a, it's like one of these famous streets in one of the biggest cities in the world where everybody is walking around taking pictures. Right, right. Couldn't have asked for a more like bigger billboard for my art. (laughs) Yeah, that is so great. I love it. That's great. Do you have any on the schedule yet that we don't know about that you could talk about? Oh, well, let's see. I just finished one in Panama. That was my first international wall. That was really exciting. And I just did another big wall down in West Palm Beach, Florida, outside of a studio there called Bindu. And how do you, how do you pick the colors? How do you, Decide on the colors for each, please. You know, that is like an intuitive thing that happens. Usually right away when I see a wall, I know what colors I want to paint it. Wow. Yeah, usually it's just the place. You know, in Panama, I saw pictures of this retreat center and I saw on their Instagram feed all the gorgeous sunsets and sunrises in that area on the beach. And so right away I saw like, pastel blues and pinks Mm. to purples and like I thought of sunset sky in this tropical place yeah um, I just knew that's what I wanted to do and similarly in Florida you know you're really close to the sea and the sky and the sun and the elements and so that one had a different gradient I went from purple to like gold on that one Uh uh-huh Yeah. And and DC, you know, DC had a beautiful rust colored building to begin with. And DC to me is more formal, Mm -hmm. you know, more East coast. And so I kept the colors really subdued and, you know, browns and creams and rusts and reds. And my goal is like, when you see it, that it looks like it's always been there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It has like, it matches the environment. Yeah. It has a sense of place. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's neat. That's neat. We didn't talk about your background in art. I mean, partly because I I watched, you did a speakeasy talk on Wanderlust that people can watch online. It's a a video where you talk about creativity and you mentioned there that you have a background in fine art. Mm -hmm. And it sounded to me like you had a background in fine art. You studied it, I think, in college, but it was something that you kind of consciously decided you weren't going to do as a career once you found yoga. Is that, is that right? I went to UC Berkeley and I majored in fine art and I was interning at a gallery in San Francisco in my final year for, for partial credit for units. And so I was really thinking at that time in my life that I wanted to be a professional artist, but 
life has its twists and turns. I ended up going to kind of burning out on school and taking a semester off to travel. And that was my first trip to India when I was 19 years old. And when I came home from that trip, I went back to school with a very different perspective. I traveled to India and Thailand and Indonesia and Australia on that trip. And I think just breaking out of the box of being in school for so many years had an impact on me. And certainly India had an impact on me at that age. And I came back, I actually had sort of a health crisis and a spiritual crisis. I, my body kind of fell apart. I think I was exhausted and just pushing myself really hard in my classes. And at the same time that that happened, one of my really close friends took his life. He had oh, been suffering so from sorry. depression. And he killed himself. And those two things happened right around like the same week. (laughs) And that is what sent me to yoga. And when I started doing yoga, I found this whole world, this depth of the practices and the depth of the teachings spoke to me on a level that I hadn't gotten in any, any of the classes I had taken through school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just became very passionate about yoga. And I really just wanted to spend all my time practicing and learning. And finally, after several years of that, I did a teacher training. And that's when I met my husband, we traveled to India again, we opened our studio. And at that point, art had just really taken a back burner. Mm-hmm. In life. But my husband is very creative. He had grown up writing rhymes and doing hip hop and also had fallen in love with yoga, but he was starting to find a way to merge the two and to write rhymes about yogic philosophy and mythology. (laughs) And that became really popular. And I think being around him and seeing how he could merge his creativity with his love of yoga was deeply inspiring to me. Yeah, that is really inspiring. It's inspired a lot of people, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it was so original. It's just completely out of the box. Mm -hmm. So fresh and creative. It definitely, it was so sweet. We just did an event, a Wonderlust event in North Carolina, and a woman called me and her daughter came to the event with her, who's now 18. And on their drive home, she said to her mom, she said, mom, I finally met the man who wrote the music that's been in my heart since I was eight. Oh, that's <laughs> so like, sweet. Oh my God. She, <laughs> you know, I did, I did, these things are so precious when you realize like, well, with MC Yogi's music that it really reached a lot of people. Oh yeah. And in a beautiful, powerful way. And I think a lot of really young people too. Mm-hmm. So being around that, and then we started getting invitations to travel and perform it. I ended up designing a visual show for his concerts. And I think that really inspired me to get back into my art and to start painting. We were seemed to be constantly singing and speaking and telling the stories of these divine beings. And I decided I just wanted to do my own versions of them. So I started to paint again, really, during that time. Yeah. 
I've noticed that you have, you do a lot of Tara, right? Mm-hmm. The female icon of, of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if she will ever get her own public art, if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah. Actually, I just, there's a festival called Love Light Festival that's going to happen in Maryland. And they've just commissioned me to do some large scale Taras. Yay! As backdrops. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, awesome. So that'll be really fun. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can pinpoint for you what is the most gratifying part of this project. I think it's sort of twofold. The project is was really started, the 10,000 Buddha project really was a personal project. It was like a personal artistic sadhana practice that would be meditative, a chance for me to deepen my understanding of these teachings and a way for me to paint and and be closer to my practices through making art so on the one hand all these years of painting buddhas it's had a really beautiful subtle effect on me personally and I think you know a lot of listeners might who've been practicing yoga for a long time might um, relate to this that it sort of sneaks up on you you know 5 10 15 20 years into the practice, you suddenly start to taste the nectar of all the accumulated times on the mat or mm-hmm. time sitting. And, and you start to feel like a, a real, a different experience, I think, internally. And that has happened for me on this project of just the, the repetition and staying with it and being challenged and doing things bigger than I thought I could ever do. And I think the real blessing for me has been personal what I've gotten out of it and so I think the the flip side is that other people seem to be enjoying it as well yeah absolutely <laughs> and, and that gives me encouragement to keep going and that there may be it's inspiring some people to investigate those ideas for themselves yeah absolutely absolutely well I'm so grateful for you to you for doing it I I love anything that like you said, Mary's yoga with life off the mat. Like that's, I mean, I just, I hope that we become a culture where self-awareness and self-reflection are the norm. And I think, you know, the way to do that is to bring it into our lives and bring it into the world. And public art is, and music, the best way to to access people, I think. So thank you so much for for your work. And thanks for talking to me. Thank you, Andrea. It's lovely to chat with you today. Yeah. It's great to talk to you too. I I feel like I learned so much about your process. It's so interesting. Yeah. Thank you. And and I hope to come um, spend more time in San Francisco. I know. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I will obviously put links to Amanda's beautiful work on our show notes page, yoga land podcast, dot com slash episode 485. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, enjoy your practice.